Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And this is our first stack all together of the new year. This is a show to remind you guys, in case you don't remember, this is a show where we review, review motorsports no, events. No, yes. no, no, no. It's not motorsports. It Sunday, is Sunday, 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 Monster Truck Rally at no, the Rochester Memorial. We are taping backstage at a Monster Truck Rally, so that is yes. true, but we're not reviewing it. We're actually reviewing comic books that uh, came oh, out. Yes, that's this right. Week. It's yes. going to be hard not to review this Monster Truck Rally, <laughs> yeah. I got to say. It's pretty cool, and Truckzilla is currently eating another truck. Yeah, yeah. Which, I'm going to get another giant beer. It's fucked up that Truckzilla eats giant trucks. beer? Giant beer. Is that a thing at monster truck rallies? Yeah. Yes, dude. No. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, other than this one. That no, they have very at. tiny beers. <laughs> a little, a little thimble micro full. beers. Yeah. yeah. I would love to go to a microbrewery at a truck stop. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> no. Listen, man, been a long day. Let's 2020, jump- the year we get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off strong with Marvel, Marvel's X number one. Now, this is a prequel to Alex Ross's oh. classic series. What? That makes sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did you read the back matter where they talked about it? Nope. Extensively. Okay. So there was a series back in the day called Earth X that Alex Rose uh, wrote and drew, I believe. Yep. Um, that was about a post-apocalyptic Marvel universe. This is showing how it came to be, how there came to be a world with powers. Everybody has powers in this world, except, as we find out, one little boy left in the middle, and that's who we follow throughout the series, Um, or at least this issue. What would you think about this kickoff? Well, uh, it was a nice kind of stroll down memory lane, the way it started, kind of a nice homage to the old school uh, Marvel days, which I really appreciated. Uh, I really, they did a good job of like setting up this character to really like and be on his side, which I appreciated. Uh, yeah, the disease was gross. Yep, it was gross. I was Shams. pretty confused, I got to tell you, until I got to the back matter and realized that it was a prequel to Earth-X, because I was like, oh, this is the Inhumans thing, right? That's what we're dealing with? Uh. Because visually, it looks kind of the same, yeah. at least with the grandmother, yeah. um, where it looks like a cocoon that's going across everybody. But it's clearly not. It is something different. It's something way more destructive, which we find out as soon as this boy ventures outside of his house and we see the wreck of the world. Um 
Yeah, I liked it. I like the idea of watching post-apocalyptic Walking Dead-style story set in the Marvel Universe, which I thought was kind of neat. Also, the art is uh, really great. Mm-hmm. Art is great. And yeah, it is, it is fun. Uh, everyone begat superpowers and then wrecked everything. Is that? Do you think that's accurate to how oh, it would go? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm wrecking I shit so. if I get powers. Oh, you'd be a bad guy. What? No, I would be an anti-hero. No, but uh, Pete's powers <laughs> are going to be cipher powers, but you're still going to wreck shit. Oh, ironic. Oh, it's ironic powers only. So <laughs> you get cipher powers, you get gun hands, right? <laughs> and I get to live on the moon. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Why I was going to say you get poetic Oh, because license. you love the sun. That's right. Exactly. I've been dying to move to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, pick that up. Let's move on <laughs> to the, I think this is the currently the last of the new books in the Hill House line over at mm, DC oh, Comics. Man. Daphne Byrne, number one. Uh, this is a line of dark horror comic books uh, edited, I think it's edited, or at least it's curated, curated. by Joe Hill. Yeah. Uh, and this is the story of a very weird girl who has a very dark destiny. That's basically the long and the short of it. Uh, but uh, I I like this quite a bit. I, I like all of the books in this line. Yeah, they're so... Uh, we talked about this a lot on our Lock and Key podcast, um, where we... Uh, Lock and another. Key Unlocked, now available on iTunes. Uh, the tension that Joe Hill brings to his comic work, and I feel like that's a lot of what's happening here. Um, and especially, the, there are some of these issues in this line that are very like set now and sort of easy to access. And this one and another one we're going to talk about are a little bit more difficult sure. to understand exactly what time period and what's happening. Um, but I agree that the writing is great, and it's uh, well. One of the things about creepy. this book, the art is by Kelly Jones, who Love is Kelly Jones, phenomenal, right. one of the best horror artists working today. The thing that's so funny about Kelly Jones's art, though, is there's a couple of pages of the book. They're walking along on the street, and they see this dude who looks like a poor dude, and he's kind of walking in the foreground. And I was like, oh, okay, so zombies exist in this world. All right. Uh, fine, let's move on from there. But I think he's just an old poor dude. That's yeah. how Kelly Jones draws them. Yeah, so, eyes. Yeah, so it's hard to tell sometimes with his art because everything is so horrific. Yeah, what the actual supernatural beings it's are. Like, oh, that's a fucked up wall. It's like not just a regular wall. Yeah, exactly. It's a zombie wall. Yeah, it was a little creepy, but uh, I I agree. I think it does a great job of setting things up. Great, thanks, Pete. Um, <laughs> let's move on to a number dark one issue. <laughs> that's what they got to do. Set it up. It's good. It's it's a good thing that they weren't ending things here. Yeah. It's like a pin setter at a bowling alley. Got to set it up. A you pin setter? Pin setter, yeah. yeah. What is it? Oh, the thing that puts down the pins? Yeah, wow. Have you know. been bowling? Have you ever been bowling? <laughs> what? I know I you're know. not into sports, I Alex, but... clearly <laughs> had some sort of head injury on the way over here, as I think wow. would happen. You can't... You, you can like bowling if you uh, want to avoid this jock label. Sure. I should have been able to figure that out in context. Let's move it's on. It's with a the ball. <laughs> you throw it. But not volleyball. Oh, Okay. Like the tennis ball. I think it's the in Top Gun. They play. They go you bowling. You take the tennis ball. Yeah. You throw it. And I got to tell you, there's a big clue. There's a big clue in what tennis ball is sport is used for. <laughs> I know. In the name. Hockey. Stranger Things Into the Fire, number one from Dark Horse Comics. This is continuing. It's Kelly Thompson's run, right? And th- this is capitalizing on everyone's favorite characters from the Stranger Things universe. The other numbered 11s. Yes. So... Here's what I will say about that. Now, you, Alex, I think you should confess, you like that episode. I like that You're episode. an apologist for the, the episode. It's the many... Chicago. They're going yeah. to Chicago, right? Yeah, it's Chicago. Uh, I forget what. Chicago. It's like the eighth episode or seventh episode in the uh, second season, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, it's like it's it's definitely like two for the end because 
Eleven gets a makeover by the end. She gets an eighties yeah. mod makeover. Uh, then they take a pause, and then she comes back for the finale. Yeah, uh, and that's like the most X Men episode of every anything they've Definitely. ever done on Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. Up to, I mean, I, I don't know about the new season. The first episode of the new season is titled The Hellfire Club, yeah. which is basically them like, ah, fuck it, we're going full X-Men. But yeah. I like it. Like, it doesn't, like it doesn't work with the rest of the series, but I yes. like it as a standalone episode. Yeah, I, I'm not a hater of it. Like, I, It just feels so wildly different than everything else, and I think the show has acknowledged that it's like, uh, we won't do that again. Uh, right. But the comic is following up on those uh, characters. Yeah, yeah, so here we're getting uh, one of the characters, one of the numbered characters who doesn't actually have powers is traveling along looking for the other numbered characters. They ultimately encounter Eight, uh, who is the character that Eleven met uh, back in that episode as well as her gang um, man I really like this a lot though and maybe that's because I like the episode but I just think the storytelling is so good I love filling out the world and showing out what's going on outside of Hawkins as we go yeah, yeah. I really appreciate it. The art was fantastic. Really does a great job of setting up the world and kind of uh, uh, you get to kind of see what happens I uh, thought the storytelling in this was great. It really got me excited for more. I can't wait for the next issue. It feels like an X-Men comic, or more specifically like a New Mutants comic, especially yeah. in light of the New Mutants trailer that it was just going around that shows the more horror element. It feels tonally in line with that. Um, so if you're into that, I will say it doesn't feel much like a Stranger Things comic at no. all. No. Um, but uh, So don't be fooled by that. But I agree, it is a, it's a fun uh, story. Uh, well yeah. told. Yeah. All right. Moving back to Marvel Comics, Miles Morales, The End, oh. number one. Oh. This is uh, this is the first one they've done, right? Or maybe uh, the second with one? With him? Yeah. Of The End books. They've done a bunch of yeah, them, Yeah, a bunch think. of them. Well, yeah. the new run of them. Oh, the new run, I see. Yeah, I uh, because so. there's going to be a bunch of them coming up. Uh, so this is Saladin Ahmed is writing The End of Miles Morales. Uh, I These books are always very weird to me. Yeah. And the reason they're very weird to me is regardless of how good the story is, it's always tied into where that character is in continuity right now and very rarely is able, just by the nature of comics, to touch on the overall span of the character's history. Right. Like, with Miles, this is definitely like, this is the end of Saladin Ahmed's run on Miles Morales. Right. Who knows where he's going to be in 10 or 20 years? And they'll do a different the end at that point. Uh, but that's always my hesitation going into the book. Uh, I really which I know is a weird nitpick. I, th I thought this was really great. I think they did a really great job of kind of like pushing who Miles Morales is into the future. And we got to kind of see this, where he's living, what he's doing. And I was really touched by this. I thought it was really well done. I love the tone. It was super powerful. I was really impressed by this book. Um, I th yeah, I, I agree with you, Alex. I think the, the the end books are so end up being sort of random in the way they are told. Like it does, it's never a definitive end of like this is the way the character actually goes down. Uh, it feels like a, a micro or like a what if issue, basically. It, it the the only like this was not a the end book, but I and I don't know the history of this, so this is probably incorrect. But I've always had the sneaking suspicion that it was inspired by Future Imperfect, the Hulk story that Peter oh, yeah. David wrote, which is one of the best stories of all time. That's the one where the Hulk is sucked into the future and meets the maestro, yeah. and we ultimately get to see him defeat and stop himself. And to me, that's like that's the ultimate Hulk story. Like That's the end of the Hulk story. As you see how he goes bad, he takes over this post-apocalyptic wasteland, and ultimately he has to beat himself. And I... I 
this is too much pressure to put on a book like this, but I would love to see that level of ambition for these things. Yeah, I agree. Like the, the Thanos comic where he fought himself uh, recently yeah. that Donny Cates did, or the, um, you mentioned the Hulk, the Immortal Hulk number 25, mm, yeah. where the Hulk was the only creature basically left in the universe after he smashed everything. Like that was a great, uh, the end. I know. I, I really like the end stories. Like the Punisher one was really good. Wolverine one was great. We got to find out his name was James Howlett. I think they do a good job of like. Uh, Wait, wasn't that in Wolverine Origins? James oh, Howlett. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. My bad. So that was actually the beginning. Yeah, that was the beginning. <laughs> yeah. uh, I reversed it. Uh, but <laughs> I, I usually when they put on an end book, I usually check them out. I think they do a good job of like. Uh, 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 Summing up what the character is and kind of seeing what they're like at the end. Yeah, it's nice to see an end. Yeah. In a medium like comics where there's no ends. That's there true. Let's move on to the Dollhouse family number three. This is oh. another one in the Hill House line. I know Pete hates this book because it's too creepy for it's you. It's way too fucking creepy. But you yeah. don't have a dollhouse. No. Not yet. And I yet. would never not get yet. one. Especially after this comic. Here's the yeah. thing. The dollhouse comes to you whether you want it or not, Pete. Yeah, the doll shows up at my door. I'm kicking it the fuck out. Here's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to buy a dollhouse and put it in <laughs> Pete's house at some point. Yeah, good I'm going to sneak into your apartment and put it in there. Yeah. And you're going to think, did Justin do this? And I'm going to be, I will have faked my death by then. And you'll be like, no, he died. So it couldn't have been him. I love this book. This is uh, M.R. Carey is, I think, what Mike Carey is being called now, uh, and Peter Gross. uh, And they're building this creepy tale in multiple eras of a deal with a devil-esque character that leads down the road to an evil dollhouse that follows this one girl around. She, at this point, has rejected what's in the dollhouse twice. As you should. Reject the dolls. And now... That is coming back to haunt her in a big way. The move they make at the end of this comic Wild. book is insane. Yeah. This comic is pretty crazy. Like, the amount of jumping around it does, I was saying it's sort of hard to figure out exactly what's happening. But I agree. I do like it. Like, it has... it. it, it there's a story here, and they're just telling it in sort of a fractured way. Um, it's like you were walking through the rooms of a tiny house. Yeah. It, it's also, there's the, pr- there's the promise that it's all going to come together because they keep giving a definitive timeline for what's happening in the past. And they're like, we're slowly getting forward. We're getting closer to the day. Meanwhile, they have the story of this girl who's now an adult with a daughter of her own uh, who is going forward. So it almost feels like that's the main story. And eventually we're going to see this past timeline link up to what we've already seen, yeah. which I'm very excited about. Pete? No. No, it's too creepy. No. Right. Too, too creepy. creepy. What do you what do you bother by? Is the house too small? Well, because th- when you walk into a regular house, a human house, do you get creeped out? Well, first off, it starts off with that opening page. You see a little dollhouse in front of a real house, and it looks like the little dollhouse has a bloody anus. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm not even going. You know, it's very interesting. I thought it was a vagina. Wow. <laughs> wow. What? Too wildly different takes, or I guess not that different at all. <laughs> what? 2020, the year we finally get it right. <laughs> uh, what did you see, Justin? I saw just a doll. Uh, there's a dollhouse. I oh, didn't yeah? see. I, huh. Oh, okay. I, I really didn't think. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I do not shy away from being like, wow, that was a fucked up idea I just had. Yeah. And in this case, I was just like, I'll tell you what, looks like the a, uh, back of that dollhouse looked like a vagina, and then later on, the cave the dude goes into looked like a vagina. So, well, context know. clues. There you go. I don't know about that. Mm. 
Um, anyway, uh, it is creepy, but <laughs> no, I like no, it. Let's stay on this. No, no, no. Let's please move forward. No, Pete was walking us through his take on the book. Yeah. Look. Can you describe the bloody anus a little bit more? No, and I think we actually covered that. <laughs> is there any other aspect of the book you'd like to cover? Nope. Any other orifice you saw in every any <laughs> other point in the book? Nope. Okay, great. Good to hear it. Uh, let's move on to Boom Studios' Firefly the Outlaw Ma Reynolds, number one by Greg Pak. This is picking up on his Firefly run. In this, Mal Reynolds has been picked up by, I forget what they're called, the Federation, not the Federation. Um, Whatever. It's like the Alliance. Yeah, the Alliance or something like that. I uh, think they say that may the force be with you. Yeah, it was pretty weird. And they were also like, Palpatine's back, the dead speak, which yeah. was pretty Aww. nice. The dead speak! <laughs> I Boo. can't believe that. All Exclamation right. point. So, out of all the Firefly books, this is my absolute yeah? favorite. I agree with you, Pete. This is a really well done. It feels like, because the other ones I think we talked about were like super complex. And you're like, what's happening? What's mm-hmm. happening? What's happening? This one, I feel like simple, simple premise. Yeah. And also, you're like, as soon as Mal's like, okay, I'll do this. You're like, ah, don't work for them. They're the bad guys. I don't know about you, but after this comic, I had to call my mom, tell her I love her. Like, this was how I was raised. Because your mom's a, a noted bank robber. Well, all, <laughs> this is tough love, man. You know, this kid was raised on tough love, and I was like, oh, my God, makes me think of my childhood. And, like, oh, it was so great. Such it, a fun comic. Your family owned a ranch in the middle of Rochester, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> rough and tumble on the upstate so this New York. Is, uh, Mal ranch. Reynolds, in order to get cleared of the charges against him, uh, he is sent to go after his mom, who is a bank robber, along with Boss Moon, who is a character that Greg Pak introduced earlier in his run. Mm-hmm. Great. I we love, also got to I see Boss Moon's uh, mom as well, and that yeah, was also fun. Good. I agree with this. This is so much fun, such a good story, so well told. There's two different artists in it, but each artist brings their A-game here in the flashbacks and in the present. It works so well together as well. Um, really, really a, just an excellent one-shot that takes some big chances with the Firefly wall, world as well. Yeah, um, it was weird to not see really any of the other characters. We see, we see Inara, and they have a nice scene in the beginning. Otherwise, it's just Mal and Boss Moon. There's an exchange in here between Mal and Inara that was so well-written yeah, where uh, Inara's... Uh, I'm forgetting the exact phrase, but Inara is basically like, you're very... Uh, you're always saying goodbye. You only ever like to say goodbye. Yeah. You only ever like yeah. to say goodbye. And he's, she says, hello. And he was like, wait, what? What are you... And he's like... Get See? more comfortable about that when yeah. you return. Great. And he then he's just like sighing on the ship. Oh, my God. So a, br- a broken up heart. There you go. Definitely pick up this issue. Even if you haven't been picking up the rest of the Firefly books, yeah. this is a great one to pick up right now. Moving them back to Marvel Comics, Ruins of Ravencroft, Carnage, number one. Now, this is picking up after Absolute Carnage. In case you have a guess for the title, Ravencroft, the Insane Asylum, has been absolutely wrecked by everything that's gone on there. It was completely taken over by Carnage and other symbiotes. Uh, and this is by Frank Thierry. This is a series of one-shots about the history of Ravencroft that is slowly leading into his ongoing series that he's going to be launching about Ravencroft and its history. Uh, this one gets into Carnage, uh, and we find out that the whole thing with Null, the god of the symbiotes, with the Cassidy family leading up to Cletus Cassidy, as well as the Ravencroft family, goes way back in time in the Marvel way Universe. Way back. American history. Yeah. Yes. This I was w- like a history book. Uh, this was a little... <laughs> I, took, I bought 50 copies of this, and I gave it out to a third grade class, and I was like, study this, kids. That's and, fucked up. Yeah, and the, the teacher was like, you're under arrest. Yeah. She was also a cop. Citizen's arrest. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like... Th- 
to me, like, okay, comics, all right, cool. But, like, the fact that <laughs> in a superhero world, nobody... Wow, you just described the concept of our show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, just the fact that nobody knows about this, and it's never been noticed, this killing field that has been existing throughout time. I was a little like, oh, come on, nobody told one superhero about this throughout the history of the world. I don't know, man. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I guess. But I was just like, boo. I thought it was interesting, the uh, sort of varied group of heroes and villains that show up in this issue. You got Misty Knight. You got uh, Wilson Fisk. Yeah, that was a fun reveal at the end. John Jameson, uh, Mr. Fantastic pops by for a hot sure. And then the next issue has Sabretooth in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fun stuff. Classic Frank Thierry stuff where he's like, I don't know. I'll fucking put whatever I want in there. That's good. That's exactly right. I've Uh, taken many of his writing workshops. Yes. Uh, But uh, yeah, I like this. I think like he is pushing himself clearly harder as a writer to create this history and redefine the history of the Marvel Universe, at least in terms of Ravencroft, which is something that like whenever it showed up in a Spider-Man book, I always felt like, oh, I don't know what this is. This is an insane asylum. It's not Arkham Asylum. Feels styled like that. Yes. So he's clearly trying to build it into their version or the Spider-Man version of Arkham Asylum. Um, It'll be interesting to see what he falls on that's different there. And I think potentially it's the history that does it. And I really like the historical passages. Really well done. Very cool. Yeah. Moving on to, I think this is an image comic book, The Clock. Yeah. Number one. Uh, This is by Matt Hawkins, and the art is... Oh, my gosh. Why am I blanking on her name? I I had the name in my brain. I saw it vanish. Colleen Duran. Colleen Duran. There we go. Uh, Art is great. Uh, This is... (coughs) Excuse me. Another one of Matt Hawkins' bleeding-edge science books. Uh, And it's fun to read his books sometimes, because most of this is about a war, and people dying in a war, and a scientist being there. Uh, And then ultimately, and the entire book, I was like, all right, let's get to the sci-fi twist. What, dude? What? No, not in a bad way, but Matt Hawkins, that's what he does. Like, he is very good at being like, here's this high science concept, and I get injected into a comic book. And usually it takes the form of like, and now I've got some battle tech armor and I'm going to destroy you. But here he takes the slow road until ultimately building up what the threat is to the world. I really like the start of this. I really liked how it started, the art. I thought it was very kind of interesting how they went to this village and what they were trying to do, and then kind of the heartbreaking thing of like, it affecting the main character's family. I I really was impressed by this as far as like, yeah, normally when I read something like this, I'm like, yada, 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 where's the action? But I was really impressed with how it was handled. Big uh, Seinfeld fan, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I love the end of this. I thought it it built um, up to there's a two great reveals at the very end that I think one is sort of the titular reveal and then a great plot point. Um, and I would pick, this feels like a, a disaster movie pitch uh, in the making, yeah. and that's very cool. Uh, I'd like to say I like the middle of it because oh, that's where the staples were, which is my favorite part us. of yeah. You, know, the you can't just so you know if you can't bring a comic to an insane asylum they make you remove the staples oh man oh wow. bunch of floppy pages all over the place yeah He's that read. would drive me crazy oh, man. <laughs> cool oh, you may be headed for the ruins of ravencroft i think so uh all right i we talked about that i think okay mm-hmm. let's yeah, I, we, I think we all liked it yeah, yeah we all liked it it's a good much. book yes I, I, to be clear about that i'm just saying like matt hawkins does these crazy sci-fi concepts so i was just surprised that it was relatively just straightforward drama for the large majority of the book. That's all oh, I was sorry. saying. Matt Hawkins just texted me, and he's really mad at you. Yeah, oh, based man. on what you said. Oh, so, well, sorry, Matty. 
Matty H. Really Math. doubling down on being rude. Yeah. Well, he can go, you know, suck a dick. Wow. <laughs> That's Watch all I'm saying. Okay. What I'm just happen? saying that. You shouldn't. You know what? You shouldn't. Fuck comics entirely. Wow. 2020, you know fuck the you year entirely. we get it right. <laughs> DC Comics Supergirl number 38. The uh, world of DC Comics is getting infected and twisted, including Supergirl. Aww. She has been infected by the Batman who laughs. She is now the Supergirl who doesn't laugh, but does a lot of science. Very serious. Very serious. And she has cool makeup. Yes, she looks like a juggalo. She looks like, yes, or a member of KISS. Yeah, yeah either way. I was going to say member of KISS. KISS okay. Army. I don't really see a difference. I don't, I don't see clouds. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is You're true. A you always, you always said that. You're clown blind. <laughs> yes, I'm clown blind. What a horrible... Uh, so, I mean, honestly, that would that's going to get you killed. Yeah. Also, uh, my wife won't like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You're right. Maybe that's why you married. Oh, maybe. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. I hate to be the one to tell you, Alex. Your wife's a clown. <laughs> what? <laughs> Your wife is a legit clown. All right. Uh, I'm going to just... Here, I can't, I'm holding a microphone, otherwise I'd take off my rig and throw it away. I hate garbage. to tell you also, that's an onion ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, you got clown. Oh, you got, you got clown married. Classic. I love that lady. Oh. Uh, Supergirl number 38. So she is trying to turn Smallville into a bunch of small villains who yep. laugh. Yes. Small villains. Small, oh, good. Thanks. Uh, yeah. And Crypto comes by. and Doesn't then, seem to notice. Crypto doesn't care. Yeah. Crypto's like, oh, she's a laugh and a laugh. Yes. And then Wonder Woman comes by and ultimately kind of figures out a solution yeah, to the whole who laughs problem. Batman and Superman are getting in an argument about whether or not they should go and help Smallville, which was weird. And then Wonder Woman's like, enough of your talking. I'll fucking handle business. And she shows up and brings the fight to goddamn Supergirl. It was, I understand that this is spitting out of Batman, Superman. So, like, they're the yeah. main heroes who are dealing with this stuff. But it is weird that we had a whole scene where they're like, I don't know, we can't leave. Yeah. We're in this other title. So. It w- yeah, it was weird because they were just in, in like an office, basically. <laughs> right. No, and, they were in it looked like a cave. And Batman's not wearing the his back mask, yeah. which right is back. always very weird to me. Like, I know Superman could see through it, but I'm like, I don't know. Put your mask on, dude. Be polite. You're on the job. Yes. You exactly. can't show up at your work wearing shorts. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Or shorts. Cool point. I'm just saying, <laughs> don't do it. I know you want to. What did you think about this book, Pete? Uh, it was all right. Great. Thanks, Pete. Uh, <laughs> Justin? Uh, I really like Supergirl in general. Um, one of uh, the characters that I read in the, a bunch of different of the, the runs over the last, like, 20 years. Um, so this is um, not that. I'm, I would like to <laughs> see what's going on with Supergirl in general. The Batman Who Laughs crossover, uh, we talked about this a lot. There's, like, too much going on in the DC Universe. Um so I hope this comes to a head soon. Yeah, I did. I liked where we ended up. With, yeah. This is the spoiler, but uh, Wonder Woman using the lasso to bring Supergirl back. She realizes what's going on. To me, that is a much stronger emotional beat to play than like, I'm a wicked cloud in my tower. You yeah. Know? That's all. 100%. Uh, all right. Marvel Comics, big kickoff for them. Star number one. This is spinning off of Captain Marvel. There was sort of an evil Captain Marvel for a while over in that title. Uh, ultimately, as we are reminded in this issue, she got the reality soon stuck in her, and Captain Marvel punched a hole through her chest. Now she has reality powers and is traveling around the Marvel Universe trying to figure out, is she good? Is she bad? What's going on with her? Yeah. I really enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, I 
I thought this was very interesting. I like this too. Um, I like the way the most interesting part I think is the way that she's figuring out her powers. Yeah. Which is all well, about specificity. Like she has to figure out how to speak to the reality stone that's in her to manifest in reality a very writerly problem. Yeah, right. it's, it's just one of those things where when she's talking, she has to talk in red typeface instead of black. So that's really... I think that just means she's using her powers then. Oh, okay. All right. Doesn't mean no. she's angry. Well, what I liked about that, I like <laughs> that bit of it. I also like the idea of somebody who is on this slide, who is a villain, and is like, what am I? What yeah. am I going to do? And they yeah. have this choice. Because that is very palpable. There's no reason for her to become a hero at this point, particularly with everything that's going on around her in this issue. But I do think she is the antagonist of the book. So it's going to be fascinating to see, does she go on that heroic journey or does she fall even farther and become an even bigger villain for the Marvel Universe? Yeah, uh, but she seems like a she's nice, though. She seems nice. She, yeah. seems, she seems nice, yeah. Sure. Trying to get things right. And I, and I did like where this book ended up. I think this did a good job of, like, letting you into what's going on with her and how she's struggling with things. And I, I'm excited to see where this moves forward. Yeah. All right, next one to talk about from Image Comics, Ascender number eight. Yes. Ooh, yeah. This is my jam. Yes. So this book is the flip side of Descender. Instead of technology in the universe for following magic has taken over and wrecked the entire universe. There's a character called Mother who is tracking down a lot of the characters that we followed over in Descender. Uh, we don't know exactly why or exactly what's going on yet, but all of the characters have started to come together. Uh, and this issue, we kick off with a bunch of vampires hanging around, chatting about... Little chat and chew. Little chat and chew. Yeah, literally yeah. chat and chew. Uh, this book, so good. Why do you did you like this so much, though, Justin? I like this book. I just love this book. For a sustained, uh, like, sci-fi comic, the Descender Ascender series has just been great throughout. Like, it's an epic story, and they every issue is just really good. The writing, the art. The art alone is worth the price of admission. It's just so beautiful. Dustin, Dustin Wen. Yeah. yeah, it's it's almost like an, uh, just watercolor paintings with each... With each page, I, 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 it's just great, and the storytelling is fun, and they're doing a really good job of kind of piece feeling, piecemealing the information piece feeling, as yeah. we go. And I, I, I just think that this every issue has been fantastic, and Jeff Lemire is killing it. It's kind of amazing to me how much it is tying back to Descender, and on the level of being a fan who did read all of those books and now going into Descender, it started out. Not exactly clean, but feeling like its own new story. And now we're getting these things where it's just like, it is hammering home. No, this is all part of the one big story. And yeah. it's so exciting when you see those flashes, when you see those characters, having lived with certain characters that have now been corrupted by the magic in this universe. It hits so much harder. Great stuff. Yep. Great stuff. Last one to talk about. Big issue out of DC Comics, Batman number 86. This is the first issue since Tom King left to do Batman and Catwoman. Don't worry. They're both in the issue. But this is by James Tyne of the Fourth, and the art is by Tony S. Daniel. Great team for Batman. Like yeah. there's a, If you could pick a perfect team for Batman, that's probably who would pick. So they're already set up pretty well. But what do you think about the execution in the issue? Now, this was uh, really well done, but also heartbreaking. I mean, the fact when Batman's like, you know, Alfred, do this, and it's just like Alfred's not and here. And it's Lucius. Oh, my yeah, God. That awkward. It's so awkward. That like, was I really... felt like 
Yeah. Secondhand embarrassment for him. That's what yeah. you're talking about, right? No, Pete? I'm talking about the heartbreaking emotion of the fact that he's still de- still dealing with the loss of Alfred like we all are. No, I think maybe he just never got to know Alfred. Fuck yeah. you. I think like I walk in and I'm like, hey, Alex, what are we doing? And I'm like, oh, Pete, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I do then, that to my kids all the time. Yeah, that's fun. And they they look different from each other. <laughs> they do. Um, we don't look different from each other? Same. Yeah, I, you both have... I uh, don't see podcasters. Wow. <laughs> Neither I'm, I'm do pod- most people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pod blind. Uh, I, I, this moment was like super well executed. Just like an out of nowhere <clears throat> um, hit on, on the emotions that the Batman's going through. Really, really well done. I like this book, The Art, Tony S. Daniel, really good. It's really setting up something huge, which I'm excited about. So the setup of this issue, uh, Batman, as usual, is patrolling the city. In this case, he's tracking down Deathstroke and a bunch of other killers that have invaded the city. So pretty typical Batman stuff going on here. Though in the background, he's building something new. It seems like a maybe a suit of mech armor that turns into a bat plane that we never fully get to see it, which is a pretty fascinating choice on their part. Um, Clearly, they're going to reveal it in further issues. In the meantime, something is going on in the background, and it certainly seems like it is the Joker. Yep. And yours, again, huge spoiler, uh, three, two, one. Uh, But it certainly seems like the Joker is executing a plan that he built with Catwoman. Yeah. Like, the, basically, what they're paralleling in this issue is that Bruce has always had plans for the city. Whether it's Batman plans or whether it's Bruce Wayne building up the city's plans, he's always had plans. Meanwhile, the villains have had plans of their own, and that's what's coming into conflict here. And I love that. Like, to your point, Pete, that feels like a very huge story for the title. Yep. It feels like sort of Nolan-esque, this mm-hmm. run so far. Both Tony Daniels' art and the sort of vastness uh, of the story and even the the epilogue feels like it came out of uh, also Dark the the, uh, the Catwoman and uh, Batman back and forth was really great and I have a question fun. how do you work meow into conversation like she says that a lot in the book and you read that because you're like okay it's Catwoman yeah. But a human person being like, Meow. do you think Batman's ever weird. like, ever like, I get it. Yeah. You're a cat woman. <laughs> You're a cat. No, like, don't. You don't have to. You don't I, have to I, don't, I don't. When I'm talking to you, I'm not like, because <laughs> I'm a werewolf. Well, no, I what don't know. What's that? a bat sound? A bat I was trying to do like sonar. Wow. <laughs> sounded sonar. like sonar. sounded like you had something like in your whale. anus. Actually, <laughs> 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 like my you had vagina. a house my in vagina. your anus. Oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> sure, my mistake. Uh, this book is great. Definitely pick it up. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, you do a live show. What, Pete? Why would you go from that into that? Did you have more you wanted to say about the comic book? No, I'm just saying, like, don't go for something There's a perfect weird. pivot. <laughs> <laughs> perfect pivot. You're no notes. Yeah. Uh, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will prolapse your anus if you want to. <laughs> what? Why? That's how, that's how excited you you'll you be. Yeah. That's how excited Why? you'll be. <laughs> oh uh, Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook. <laughs> no, no, and please stop. Uh, friend wow. us on Facebook. I'm done. Okay, was, well, good to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the, the app, app of, of your, your choice. choice. <laughs> and we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. 2020, the year we get clown divorced. <laughs> oh.